Thank you for coming on over to Turntables and Tea. I'm Charlie. And I'm Corey. And this week, I gave it away a bit in our title. We will be discussing an album called Come On Over by Shania Twain. One of the biggest albums we've ever covered on this podcast. Uh, Bit of an overwhelming task in some ways to take on an album so monumental. But we're here doing it and continuing our Harry's House deep dive month scene. Who built Harry's House? Who did it? And uh, he stated that Shania Twain was his number one influence in music and in fashion. And uh, it comes from his mom. His mother was a big fan. And uh, we're going to start with the album that likely began that for them, I would think. Come on over because this did cross over internationally. We'll get deeper into that, of course, but I think that's very significant to discuss. I would have to think it was this album that his mom was listening to and that he was brought up on. Even to the extent when I was listening to it, I was trying to picture what it was like. Or, you know, just little imagination sessions of, of Harry, a young Harry Styles bopping around the kitchen while his mom's singing any one of these tracks really yeah. there's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh female woman power on here that's great for uh the kitchen oh god that sounded terrible that's not <laughs> what i that's not what i meant at all but I, I mean even myself singing this in the kitchen there's a lot of energy on this album she's uh, bringing empowerment into the kitchen there you go there you go you're, I mean, you're always you're a genius at the spin there <laughs> that's that's what i'm gonna say i know what you mean because yeah a lot of uh, this is a very fun upbeat album one of the most fun we've covered here i think it is indeed and what were the so they got together and did coachella 2022 yes they did that was their most recent well not quite most most recent performance not most recent appearance together and they performed two songs off of this album because he brought her out on the first week it's two weekends. The first weekend he did that, he did bring her out for it. And um, I mean, they've struck up a friendship over the past few years, which I think is very nice. So it's it's always crazy when you can get Shania Twain to call your mom and wish her a happy birthday. They're social media pals, too. They uh, they speak the praises of each other all the time. I like that. And there's, you know, I'll never say a woman's age, but there's a little bit of a generation gap right there, you know? So that's super She's cool to see, She's literally too. twice his age now. <laughs> um, but she really did come of age musically in popularity when he was a young lad in Britain. And uh, she even presented him with his Brit Award this year. That's awesome. Yeah, Harry's still just going at it. He's on tour in Australia. And he uh, actually, I don't know if you saw this, he kind of broke the internet possibly. Oh, no, I didn't. He accidentally, I think he meant to share it to his close friends on Instagram, but he shared it to his world followers. A photo of him at the gym in a One Direction t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, right. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> but he deleted it immediately after. Oh, man, but that's awesome. It was screenshotted many times. That is great. Covering his face in it, of course. But uh, I love it. You know, we talked about at the end of uh, Harry's house, we talked about where he would be going. And now that he's settled his sound and, and done it by himself, it would be awesome to see uh, him work with artists. And we said a bunch. Do you think we'll see a Shania collaboration 
anywhere in the future? I think it's very possible because she actually has been collaborating with younger artists in more recent years. She's done duets with Nick Jonas, Kelsey Ballerini, Orville Pack. She's definitely embracing her legacy, and that's smart for her to do at this point in the game because she has a huge one. And I definitely could see them at least writing together in the future. I feel like it would be a natural progression, but I wonder how much, not so much anxiety, but how much added pressure that would be for for Harry there, because that's a hero, you know, a hero turned friend. I feel like that collaboration at the very least would have just an extra weight on it. I'm sure it would, but I feel like, I think deep down they're both kind of, chill enough in that heart they're both songwriters and i think they could make it work i really do i'd like to see it i think their voices would be neat together i do too and even just to it both of them writing together i think would be really unique so i'm very curious but as to how she became an influence i think that's important here uh we're gonna dive into the backstory of this album so Before this album was released, in 95-96, Shania Twain broke out big in the country music scene. She was the breakout star of that era with her album, The Woman and Me. Huge success. It's been certified 12 times platinum in the U.S. And you would think that would be enough. Like, that's a huge success. And it is, but Shania actually wanted more. She was quite ambitious and... uh, her and her producer, her husband at the time, Mutt Lang, decided we really want to cross over and do something new. We want to cross over into pop. We want to play big concerts. And she wanted to expand to an international audience, which was really key because country music is a very American genre. It doesn't have that much of a presence worldwide. It definitely didn't by the time this, at the time this album came out, but she was pretty determined to do something different. And uh, to say she succeeded would be an understatement. She definitely met her goals here. And that's significant because that means this album went over to the UK. And that's how Anne Twist, funny name for Harry's mother, but that's how she listened to this. This is the 16th highest selling album of all time in the UK. Wow. Well, even higher ranked in the world and the U.S. So, uh, yeah, yeah, this is the ninth best selling album of all time worldwide. It sold 40 million copies worldwide. You talk about bridging that gap. We go back to 97. I have a a very varied, for lack of better words, uh, musical listening taste. But country radio, especially in that time period, was not something that was in my wheelhouse. I mean, half of the singles on here, I vividly remember crossing over into the other the other listeners, the uh, you know the other radio stations, period. And looking back, you could feel that it was that catalyst for this pop country movement that we saw come out of this. I mean, this was just four years prior to WPOC starting to do Sunday in the country, which is something, you know, that that's widely taken by a younger generation or so much more back then that wasn't even listening to the country, but they were going to see stars like this. Uh, so they definitely bridged that gap. Yes, to put it lightly. And 
soon enough, there were country songs high on the Hot 100. And that started with this. A couple of these songs were bigger pop hits than country hits. And there had been country crossover before, most notably in the late 70s and early 80s. Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers had some pretty major crossover success during that time period. But at the end of the day, their main audience was in that country field, and they faded from the charts eventually and became more of legacy acts. And Dolly did a lot of movies, of course. Yeah. So they had different plans, but Shania was going to do something very different. And she already had in a lot of ways with the woman in me, because there was resistance to that at first in Nashville. They thought, this isn't country. This is very pop rock. You're working with Mutt Lang, who, if you don't know, most known for producing albums by rock acts like Def Leppard and ACDC. Not Nashville, but he was a country music fan, and they were married. They met, and Sparks flew. They married in 93, and they had a really successful partnership for quite some time, as we see here. What's really crazy about this album, too, is the length of the album cycle. We've never covered an album with such a long cycle because this album was released in late 97 and the final single was released in 2000. Yeah, I was blown away by the amount and length of singles on this. You're, you're totally right. It was something that I have never seen diving in deep with you on any of these, um, but really never heard of before. I mean, or, or I hadn't. It's just a lot. It is a lot, man. Yeah, and everything was done very strategically as to what would appeal to one market each. And before we dive in, I do want to preface this. The version heard in the UK and elsewhere outside the US, there was an international version that has a different track listing and the songs were remixed. A lot of the country elements were neutered, frankly. And uh, um, we're going to be discussing the album as it originally was. And because that's what we're most familiar with. And it's what I prefer overall, frankly. And I think this version's sequence better anyway. The international one actually starts with a ballad, which isn't right for this album. Um, but it was a hit ballad, as we'll get into. So, but yeah, everything here was done very strategically. And as for its US success specifically, this album just never really went off the charts throughout the whole late 90s. It actually never topped the Billboard 200, but it just stayed in the top 10 and top five for so long and just kept selling with each single coming out successively. And it just kept going. So to say Shania Twain achieved her goal would be an understatement. She killed it. Yeah. And. Of course, she sold a lot of concert tickets on the tour for this, and she still sells a lot of concert tickets. It's because of this album, she can still play arenas. So, can't say that about everybody. Have you ever seen her live? I have. Uh, awesome show. Awesome right. show. She's definitely a great performer, very charismatic, and she puts on a production, and I'm seeing her again this summer, actually. I can't wait. That's awesome. I, I thought it was unique to hear that she chose not to tour for the album prior to this because she didn't feel like she could put on enough of a stage show. Uh, and I think that's smart for, for artists. I think that's a really bold and it shows she knew what she wanted. 
uh, to get there, but a very bold, a bold statement for, for a younger artist at that point. I thought that was cool. Yeah, she wanted to do songs that she had recorded and written because her first album, she mostly didn't write. She didn't have a lot of input on it and it didn't do too well. So she didn't want to really do that at her concert. She waited and it was a smart decision because she only expanded her audience beyond country and changed the game for everyone because we don't have uh, the people who come since without this. Like you don't have in the late 90s, we don't have country artists like Faith Hill or Tim McGraw crossing over and making pop hits without the success of this album. We probably don't get Carrie Underwood winning American Idol without this album. Heck, frankly... We probably don't even get Taylor Swift without this album. Ooh, that's a bold one. But I can I mean, see where you're going. The, the power movement that was behind this album. Because of the pop country sound, Taylor will tell you Shania's one of her main influences. She stated that many times. Heard. And so she definitely, we just don't have country as we know it for better or for worse today. Without this album, this paved the way. And uh, that's why we're here to discuss it today. And it influenced a young lad named Harry. And uh, I hope that we do it justice for him and everyone. So with that being said, I'm ready to get started. But also, you wanted to talk about the album cover. I forgot that. Yeah, we started talking about it off air. We talk about the two different versions, the international and the US, and the differences between them. But one of the big differences for me right off the bat was the the cover they're both headshot photos of her but i always thought it was an odd choice for this album because it always struck me the u.s version always struck me as an overexposed like flash photo and i just i never dug it and if you see the 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 photo for the international it's just a picture of her you can see her and she's a beautiful woman. You said it almost looked like a painting, which if that's the case, I can see that. But it was just ne- never my favorite. I, I don't they should have picked. There it is. It's my first hot tea. Of the night. They should have <laughs> picked the picture they used for the international for the U.S. I'm not going to lie. I like I feel like the color, the red color scheme just fits this album, though. Heard that? No, I I can see I can see where you're coming. It's a, it, with the power with the with the red because it's so uh, bold. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good look into that, Charlie. I like I like the way you looked at that. There. That's but, another Taylor Swift connection because she has an album called Red. I wonder if she was influenced. Hmm. I wonder, but I really like the thought of the boldness of this album being the overexposed photo and the the boldness there. You're on to something. You're on to something. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just looking for a good shot of Shania Twain, but you're 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 diving in deep. I like that. Well, you get plenty of good shots during this era, as we'll discuss. That you do during this album. <laughs> so, with that being said, let's get started with a really bold song. This encapsulates it. The album begins with "Man, I Feel Like a Woman," one of the most popular songs we've ever covered on the show already. Um, I'm going to assume if you're listening that you know this song, but if you don't, it's a woman empowerment anthem, and uh, for a lot of people, it's probably the women empowerment anthem. <laughs> I, I think that's a fair assessment there. At this point, um, yeah, this is one of those songs. What else can you say about? Man, I feel like a woman. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, you talk about an anthem that has 
made its way over the the years uh this is there you talk about an empowerment song that had impacts straight from the get and lives in all types of media across the board this is it i mean this it, it hit then this was the one that i was that was in my head when i say you started to hear it on different radio channels back in the day this is the one that the guys that weren't listening to to this or the girls that weren't listening to this you'd walk down the hallway at school and hear man i feel like a woman you were like you know everybody was singing it that this is the one there's there's not too much more to say about the song unless you go into a, a musically i love I, I get a little zz top lagrange style guitar yeah. and that backs it i love that really you talked about the strategy earlier and I think this is a great point to start talking about that because production-wise, as far as this album goes, it is very strategic and it is very album blueprint down to a T. Um, I don't think to a fault, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Right here, you open with, was this the most successful single on the album, do you know? No, it was really? not. Wow. This is a song that actually... The chart positions really are not an accurate description of how successful this song truly was. Um, based on the charts, this is actually only the fourth most successful single. I was just about to say, you opened the album with your hit, you know, um, but regardless of chart, you open the album with your hit. You open the album yeah. with the most known song on the album, in my opinion, and Talk at this, this point yes it is at yeah, this you, point you talk about that strategy nothing better that's how you open it up yes and for a bit of background before we get into it um one thing one of my favorite takeaways actually from shania's memoir that i read quite some time ago but she stated that when she wrote the song she was inspired by drag queens actually okay i can almost see that in the way that that hook goes because you know it has that country that but it's so sticky i can i can see some runway drag to this that's that's pretty wild yeah i mean shania does have quite a large gay fan base actually and i'm sure a lot of it's because of this song Third. But yeah, you would assume this is the lead single. It was not the lead single. This overall, um, in the grand total, this was the eighth single. Wow. And uh, we'll get more into the strategy as to where, why I think they chose some stuff before this one later on. I think they wanted to kind of make sure they'd cross into the pop market a bit more safely before doing this one. Heard. Uh, we'll get into that when we discuss those respective songs but by this point when this song was released she had three top 10 pop hits so she had it going on and this did not reach the top 10 this reached number 23 on the hot 100 which just seems strange it does your statement of where it sits on the charts does nothing for it uh, as far as as the popularity of it is an un, you know it's almost like an understatement at that point 20 that's insane man that's, it is. that's just that's mind-blowing this was non-stop you if you had the radio on back in the day and and i'll say in that four-year cycle you were hearing this at least twice three times a day yeah some of it probably just has to do with single sales probably which uh and I believe that affected another song from on the album from hitting the top of the charts because for this one, a lot of people just bought the album. They did not buy the CD single because, well, why would they have? 
this album had so many hits that you might as well buy the whole CD. And that was a strategy for record companies throughout a lot of the 90s. And one very effectively done with this album. But yeah, by this point, I think that a lot of people probably already had the CD by the time this hit the radio. But this certainly sold a few more copies of it, I'm sure. So, yeah, but it really doesn't do it justice. This is definitely, when people hear the name Shania Twain, this is the song they think of. Guaranteed. I mean, this is, when I saw her, this was her encore. <laughs> of course, what else could it be? Yeah, yeah, everybody's waiting all night to hear that. Yeah, this is, and it's just, it's the ultimate girl power anthem now, and... Uh, this is one of the songs that Harry did with her at Coachella. But actually, my favorite man, I feel like a woman moment was before that. It was at the 2019 AMA. Shania Twain closed the show with a medley of her greatest hits. And Post Malone was going off to this song. <laughs> it's great. I can see that. I love it. I love it. fantastic. That's awesome. But he's one of many. This was actually ranked by Billboard the greatest karaoke song of all time. Oh, I can see that too. Wow, I mean, all time. That's wild. This is, it's that song. And again, it's one, what are you going to say about it other than you all know this song, and uh, <laughs> it's very catchy. I do want to talk a bit about the video, though, because they flipped the switch on something. Shania Twain basically did a gender-reversed version of one of the most famous videos of the 80s, for which was um, Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love, with his lipstick models, statuesque, and him in the front, and this time... It's guys playing the instruments in the back while Shania's leading the show and looking as gorgeous as ever. It's definitely a great video and one that helped Shania get played not just on CMT, but MTV. Yeah, I remember that one on MTV. Yeah. But they had what, nine? Uh, I'm, they had a bunch of videos for this album. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, the cycle speaks to it, but I was blown away when I saw that too. Like, geez, a whiz. It's almost a video, a track. Yeah, almost a visual album. Almost. <laughs> Not quite, but she wasn't too far off. But interestingly, one of the singles that didn't have the video was this next song, I'm Holding On to Love to Save My Life. Um, This is a more of a mid-tempo tune after our first one. You kind of need that after... Man, I feel like a woman because that's so full on. You gotta take it down a bit, but this one still has a really sticky hook to it, of course. And uh, she's got a reference to Dr. Roof in there, which definitely plants this in the 90s, I would say. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, it's not as flashy, but it, I think it I think it does the job well. I think this is an underrated song of hers. There's bigger, grander moments on there on here in particular but i've always liked this one and uh it was the final single no video or promotion but with that it managed to make it to number two on the bubbling under chart and 17 on the country charts which considering the fact that most people who were gonna listen to this had the cd already that's pretty impressive considering this late in the album cycle to still have a top 20 country hit Mm. not bad not bad at all i i love where it's placed on this album 
It, this one, you 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 said it. You need something to cool the tempo and tone down just a little bit. But you're also looking for something that has strength behind it because it has to be for the sake of, of comparing it to a live show. You know, you open with that banger. You need another one right behind it. Something that's not going to overshadow what was done before, but something that keeps that vibe going on. And uh, and I think I'm, I don't I think I'm far off saying I'm holding on to love does that really well. I get a little bit of a running down uh, dream vibe I off the, the start of that. Um, and then this is the first time in the album that I get it, but I get an ABBA vibe listening to this one over again. I keep going back. There's a couple spots in this album where I hear Mamma Mia. This was the first one, but this one does a great job in the number two slot. I completely agree. And uh, um, one cool thing, I think you would love this actually. So around 03, 04, I'm not remembering the exact year, but Shania Twain did a concert special on NBC called Up Close and Personal, and her backing band was Allison Krauss and Union Station. Ooh, mama. And this was one of the songs that they did. I could see that. Oh, I have goosebumps right now. Yeah, I really... <laughs> liked this performance of it it was mostly meant to showcase the up album which she was promoting but she did do some stuff from other albums and some hits but it was nice to have this one get its moment because it really didn't in the come on over era so i think it was nice that she gave it a moment and it really worked as a bluegrass tune too so that just shows the versatility of these compositions if you ask me yeah the versatility of these compositions is is right on and also I don't want to over talk about it, but the production and the way that these instruments, the, the backing band is laid down throughout this album is close to perfect. Um, so, yeah, you're going to be able to to do these genre bending performances of it because you have such a strong backing to begin with. Yes. Yes, they did. But of course. It all starts with that country scene. We have to go for that. And uh, we have one of our more country songs next, I would say. Um, track number three, Love Gets Me Every Time. This was actually the lead single. Wow. Okay. And uh, I'm guessing my reasoning for that is because I think this is probably the closest to the hits off of The Woman and Me. Got you. That would be my guess here. And it's like, okay, this is closer to that sound than man, I feel like a woman, certainly. True, true. And, I mean, it was a smart move. They had to start with that country audience because that was who made the woman in me such a success. And, well, they they came for this one, too. It topped the country charts for five weeks and made it to 25 on the Hot 100. So, good start to the album cycle. Um, One thing that Shania Twain noted about this album was that she really here wanted to have a conversational approach in her songwriting. And this is a song it's that's so indicative. I mean, you just hear that gone and done it refrain in the background because she's saying, love gets me every time, gone and done it, guess I fell in love. And the fact that they're able to apply that to pop music is pretty brilliant, actually, because that's Definitely easier said than done to have such a conversational approach in a song, particularly a pop song. Like she's not yeah. sitting here telling you a long-winded story. This is compact. It is. Uh, those lyrics from the get-go for me 
really took this one to another level because at the number three spot so far on this album, it didn't necessarily give me anything as a listener new musically. Like the production's there, but I'm still in almost the same listening space as I've been for now three tracks. So it's it didn't take me out. But it started to be like, okay, we need to find another note on this album for me as a listener. But yeah, you're right. The the lyrics and the way she does this, it for me it was a, it was indicative of early country. You know, those compact stories that sometimes were a conversation between two performers. Sometimes a conversation with just one performer doing it. But it really had that country feel to it. I love that you touched on that. Yeah, and that's why I think it was the lead single, like I said. So uh, I definitely, I've always liked this one. It definitely was overshadowed by other songs. Um, I'm hoping to hear this one on the Queen of Me tour when I go this summer, because I did not get this one when I saw her. And uh, I would like to hear this one. So Shania, I hope this gets you. Love gets me every time. Would love to hear it. (laughs) Just the thought. And uh, another one I'd love to hear is actually the next song, which I don't know how much of a change this is, but we've got um, track four, Don't Be Stupid, You Know I Love You. Uh, I would say this is my favorite song ever, convincing somebody not to be paranoid. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's basically the point of the song. She's saying like, dude, you're paranoid. Don't be stupid. I love you. Like, you know, it's it's a fun song. I've always enjoyed this one, too. I've always just found it to be a very fun, upbeat song and uh, definitely one of the best fiddle sections I've ever heard. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> the, you talk about the fiddles. The fiddles are rocking here. But as far as finding the new note, my first listen and second listen, it actually wasn't until my second listen that I figured out that that wasn't just a power break in Love Gets Me Every Time, and that this is an, another song. Because the end of Love... I can see that. It's wild, man. The end of Love Gets Me Every Time. And I, I'm over here talking about production and, and the way, the strategy of this album, but I feel like this is the one misstep where it was like, unless it was on purpose as maybe like a an intro sort of thing, but at that point, I feel like you should connect them. But yeah, it, it really, you almost don't realize that you're on the next song. And for me... In, in a negative way, not, you know, it's, it doesn't take anything away from this song. It's a fun song. This is, this is the Mamma Mia joint for me. This one reminds me so much yeah, right. of ABBA and it, it, it gets down. But as far as the pacing on this album, I'm looking for that other side. I'm looking for that other, the next piece of Shania. And it's, I'm still in that wheelhouse, but man, you know, the, I think the name of them, damn it, I had this in notes and I can't find it while I'm clicking here, but I think the name of the backing fiddles, like the group of fiddles is called like Them Fiddle Boys. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta find it, but they kill it on this album, man. They kill it on they this do. album. They <laughs> do. They do. And the video for it even features river dancers from Ireland. Heard that. I so see that. They're, just, they're just going on and on. And so this was the second single in the U.S., again, probably because it was that similarity to the previous song. They figured, well, that was successful, let's do this uh, before we go pop yet. And uh, top 10 country hit number 40 on the Hot 100. Um, It was actually the final single in the U.K., so... 
But that version was had a lot more fiddle in it. That remix actually might be a bit better than this one. One of the rare cases of that, I think. But heard. Uh yeah. Maybe I, I guess young Harold was jamming to this when he was six. And that's wild because I didn't get a chance to hear the knowing that they took most of the country elements out. I think this will be a tough sell. You know, you can't take those fiddles out of this. Uh, one. This one was an exception to that rule. Got you. Okay. Um, it's not that, like, man, I feel like a woman. The country's really neutered. Heard. Um, and this is one of the arrangements. She actually, when she does this live, I've heard that she does the international version. Okay. So, and actually she does for a couple of the other songs sometimes too, but this is not one, you can't uncontrify this one. You can't. <laughs> not at all. But, you know what? It's still a good time in my opinion, but I think we finally get that other side of Shania with our next song, track five, from this moment on, one of the album's big, big hits. Um, this is the ultimate wedding song, basically, it sounds like. Uh, Shania Twain's even said, oh, people have proposed to this song at the shows, which obviously, yes. Um, I mean, I first heard this song when I was probably like 10. I uh, checked out her greatest hits CD from the library. And obviously this was on it. And um, I mean, this is such a romantic song. You have to get swept up in it. I'd say, believe it or not, there is an inner romantic in me. It probably exists because of this song. There you go. I'm going to say, Shania, you brought it out in me with this one and other lovely songs that you've done over the years. But this one, it's just, it's a grand sweeping love ballad and uh, this is quite a change actually so on the u.s version we have a duet with country singer brian white on the international version it's just her singing it um mm. i think it works a bit better as a duet personally i you can tell this was written to be a duet and song's still really romantic and lovely when she does it but it sounds a bit more um codependent on somebody lyrically <laughs> because of the romance if it lets both of them doing it that's elements not there yeah no i i couldn't even picture it with without it being a duet because well i mean this is another one that i feel like is if you say Shania Twain, this is up there on on songs people will know. I mean, this oh, is '97. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm in high school. This is definitely a staple slow dance song all the way. Homecoming and proms from then till the end of high school. You know, it's definitely there. And because it's such a perfectly romantic piece, uh, it it gets you in the feels whether you like it or not always you know it it sets it up there's there's a lot of smart choices um we talk about strategy album but i'll say strategically in this song those those drums and the orchestral strings really wow. for me give it like a super cinematic feel which aids the the extraness of or aids with giving an extra piece to that that cinematic type that perfect uh, movie slash storybook type of romance. And I, I think that was very, very smart as far as the way this song was produced and composed. Yeah, this is like, 
the great movie soundtrack ballad of the 90s that actually wasn't on a movie soundtrack. <laughs> it made me look it up. I was like, this has to be a love scene in something. And nope, no movie credits to this one. Which, yeah, insane to think of. But this is one of the songs that I mentioned earlier. This was a bigger pop hit in the U.S. than it was a country hit. It made it to four on the Hot 100, number six on the country charts. Yeah. And this is admittedly one of the least country songs here. As we said, there's a full orchestra playing on it. It's just a good old-fashioned love ballad. And actually, she wrote it at a soccer game because she was in Italy at the soccer game. And she said the fans were just so passionate that she got swept up in it. Oof, I love it. At a football match? There's no denying that on any level over there. Good for you, Shania. I wonder what game she was at. <laughs> yeah, really. And I think I'm like 99.99% sure this was the case, but I might be wrong. But she originally actually wrote this with Celine Dion in mind, which makes perfect sense. Yeah, you can hear that. But... I'm glad that Shania did that. I think Celine would do a killer cover of this, though. Yeah, that would be, that would be one I, I'd like to see her do. You think that it didn't reach us, aside from not being one of the more country songs on this album, do you think it didn't reach any higher because, and, and I'm doing a little bit of a generalizing here, but inside of the country genre there's more of that like we see a lot more beautiful romantic especially duet ballads um that it's got tough competition it might not have been on that chart then but i'm just saying period as far as country fans go i i think that's very possible i mean there certainly are a lot of love country duets out there and some of them also done by real life couples this was not a real life couple so I guess it hits different for them when it's Tim and Faith singing together rather than <laughs> Shania and Brian White. <laughs> that, that's that was where I was at in my mind. Like you know, they get it a lot, so it's got to be super stellar. Which I'm not taking anything away from the song, but just comparing the the charts, I wonder if that was. I'll part take of the case. this over. It's your love any day. <laughs> 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 I will. Because I'm with you. <laughs> the craft here is just impeccable. It is. And I love how the video, admittedly, she she's wearing a bindi, which she shouldn't be wearing because she's obviously not Indian, but it's a beautiful video. You even see her walk down a staircase with a full orchestra by her. It's just perfect. Yeah, it definitely is. This is that this is that 90s, that 90s romantic staple period. Yes. And you do know who she should do at with this on next, right? Ooh, ooh. Oh, Harry? Yeah, of course. I, I would love to hear that. I would love to hear that. They absolutely should. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's done it with the Backstreet Boys, but that's cool. But I think it would be better with Harry. I, I'm, Yeah, it, I'm so weird. Not weirdly, but I, it's weird for me because I have become a, a fan of Mr. Harry Styles. And, and, and we're inside of, of the 40 degrees this month. But yes. I, want, I really want to see original duets i want to see original jams and I, I i don't want that to be their only one you know what i'm saying like i'd love to see that a show but don't you dare put this on an album and be like oh we did a collaboration because i might be mad at you i will be mad at you at that point i 
No, they wouldn't. Shania wouldn't even do that because she actually just put out a new album last month and you don't see live versions of any throwback songs, even though she could very easily rest on her laurels and do that, but she's not. Heard. So, yeah, she knows when to do it. I don't think that would ever happen, but I think, yes, at a show, they should absolutely perform this together at least once. Oh, man. Because they did the non-duets together. This is written for you both. Like, come on. You got to look at where Harry is, man. What if he's What if he's near? Where are you seeing her? Around here? Are you seeing her I'm this seeing summer? I'm seeing her at Merriweather, yes. Oof, man. How insane would that be? Would you he's lose your mind? He's not going to be there, I know. But... <laughs> don't, don't, put it out there. Put it out there in the universe, Charlie. Get a little Harry Styles out of Harry. nowhere. Harry. Forget your tour. Come to Shania and Meriwether. Maybe, you know, there's a good chance he'll be at Madison Square. I mean, that's his home. So I might I might have to go to the Madison Square show on this tour just to see that. Heard that. There you Maybe go. I will. Who knows? Ooh, boy. Pay me, people. Pay me, listeners. Fund my, two, my second Shania Twain concert this there summer. Go. There you go. Fund what, it what? for me. When is it in the summer? It's in June, June 27th. I can't wait to see her again. That's awesome. She's awesome. awesome. And I know she'll do this song. People went off when she did this one at when I saw her before. I'm sure they do every show because it's from this moment on. Yeah, you know. I mean, her memoir's named after this song. Come on. Yeah, this is this is a uh, career defining song for her period. Whether you take it as a romantic song uh it this one this yeah. one and man i feel like a woman are, are two you know there's there's a couple more but for I mean, right now the ones honestly, so far let's just say this we already have two career defining songs on this album and we're not even halfway through that's right there are more to come what other album can you say that about Oof, it's tough it, it's hard to think of many frankly it's hard to think of many but we're not at those songs yet, though I can't wait to get to them. But in the meantime, we've got to get back to the party a little bit with our title track, Come On Over. Um, this is a laid-back kind of jam, a laid-back little tune, something a bit more upbeat after the previous song, which I think is necessary, because this is mostly going to be an upbeat album. And uh, I just like the eye. It's like, you can unwind, take a load off your mind. Like, we're just we're just going to chill. and. Uh, I was really happy to hear this one when I saw her live. I was not fully expected. This wasn't the first song I expected to hear, but I thought, okay, come on over. And I mean, it's a nice little ditty. I wouldn't say it's one of the highlights of the album. It's over in less than three minutes, but it does what it needs to do. I think that it serves a good purpose here. And it was another hit for her. It was the 10th single on the album. (laughs) What? mind blown and um another top 10 country hit 58 on the hot 100 and i have i just it's just a fun ditty to me that's all and uh nothing better nothing worse but there's nothing wrong with a fun little ditty no not at all It, it does its job perfectly and they don't waste the chance of picking the pace right back up um they took us all the way down to the fields and then brought back in oh i won't use the word weird i weird my notes but a a very unique choice with the accordion here for me oh yeah was that the case when you saw it live was the accordion 
No, I don't remember no. seeing an accordion. I think that just came from a back. The, that part came from the backing track, I'm sure. You know, subconscious listener there, accordion always, for me, denotes like a party, like dance. I mean, even if it's just the, the simple root of the polka, you know, but that accordion always says, you know, here, let's, let's bring it in and dance. So I thought that was a, a really neat and unique choice, especially coming out of from this moment on. And it does its job. I agree. And I think it's a good palate cleanser for what we're about to get into because we're into some more intense songs coming up, I think. But uh, one of them is, oh, this one. Um, number track seven, when, uh, I call this a song about hypotheticals. Um, it's actually really a breakup song. It's about how it's like impossible. It's like when money grows on trees, we'll yeah. be back together. But uh, you'd be forgiven for not thinking it's a breakup song because it's very upbeat and catchy. Um, I, I've always really enjoyed this song. I like all the hypotheticals. It's pretty creative. My personal favorite is I'd love to wake up smiling, hear the joys of spring, and here on CNN that Elvis lives again. <laughs> That's always been my favorite. And um, yeah, this one, this one's a banger to me. I just, it's creative. Like she puts these analogies that you wouldn't think of hearing in a breakup song. Like you don't think you're going to hear about a cow jumping over the moon in this kind of song, but it's just put together in a really nice package for me. And uh, it's hard to call any song on this album underrated, but this is underrated in my opinion. This is one of her most underrated songs, and it was not a single in the U.S. This is the only single that was not a single in America. This was the second single in the U.K., and it was a top 20 hit there. But, um, yeah, I just... Really, I just love this song. I always have. I've always thought it was a lot of fun. And Shania, I might be the only one who cares. But please include this on your set list for the next tour. Because yeah. I'll go off. There you go. There you go. This one, I I am right with you. The lyrical poetry inside of this not only is fun, but it's just elevated. Um, even just against the lyrical compositions we've seen so far this one really has a great way to make you think and it's that fun unique way that you were touching on with the these wild hypotheticals of of elvis living again or money growing on trees i i love that stuff for the first time on this album where the fiddles and the strings have been here the whole entire time they're gone and we get a really strong guitar presence on this song. And I think it speaks to the rock sensibilities of, of the producer here. And oh, I, yeah. I, I, it's a smart move um, on a really smart song. I underrated. I, I think you're right. This one I had never heard before, but this is, this is a really, really cool track. I like this one and it's in the number seven spot. So it's right there. Perfectly set up. Even, even better, even oh, better. Yeah. Yes, but I'm glad you like this one too because yeah. I've always loved When and I've actually also, speaking of underrated songs, we've got a duo of them at this point. We've got track eight, Whatever You Do, Don't, with two exclamation points. She loved her exclamation points. <laughs> 
because oh, the follow-up album, half the songs have the exclamation points. I'm a, I'm a big fan of exclamation points myself. I've been accused of overusing them, but I don't think that is able to oh. be done. <laughs> well, you know who your perfect woman would have been Elaine Dennis then. She loved the exclamation point. <laughs> oh, good old Elaine. <laughs> the girl Elaine. But um, yeah, so this is a kind of a sassy tune, if you can't tell, but she's pretty much saying like to this man, like it's kind of like that I'm addicted to you, don't you know that you're toxic kind of guy, but it's like whatever you do, don't do it. Don't make me crazy. Don't do it to me, baby. And she it's just a message to this man. It's like, you better be careful around me because I am a sucker for you, but you got to be careful. But I'm going to try and hold my own. And she does a good job of that in a very fun, catchy tune. And uh, funny enough, on an album full of singles, this is one of the ones that wasn't. Mm. And... um. You wouldn't think there would be a single that should have been, but I think it's this one. Uh, I would have picked this over some of the songs that were chosen as singles. Not gonna lie. But at the same time, I, it might be okay because that means it hasn't gotten the overexposure of other songs. So that means I can enjoy it more. Okay. So in that case, I'm happy. And again, I would love to hear this live. This is definitely a long shot of that happening, but... Um, Shania, you don't have to include it on the tour set list, but just at Meriwether, do whatever you do, don't. There you go. There you whatever go. you do, don't forget to include this song on the set list. <laughs> there you go. Put it out in the universe. I, I liked the way this song, Tongue in Cheeks, the power, the, the, the woman power of everything else, and says, you know what? Even though I'm this strong woman, there's some things that I know that I'm a sucker for and don't do them. And I really enjoy that. I, it gives a, it gives a real personality to this strong woman character inside of this album. And I, I, I think it, it was a really neat place in the album right at the halfway point to let us see in a different window. Um, then, then we still have the powerful woman. Don't get me wrong, but we, we get to see, her step back a little bit and be, and and show show some some areas where she might be affected. I like that. Yes, and I think that she actually continues that trend a bit in the next song where she's not the woman, but she's going to be the woman giving advice with <laughs> um track number nine. If you want to touch or ask a song about consent, yay! Good topic to cover, Shania. Good idea. Very in, smart. In '97 too. I mean, yes. She was, she was making points with this song. Um, but not just that. Fortunately, I think this is a pretty cool song musically. Uh, more than anything on this album, I get a blues vibe from this song. With that piano and the guitar, it really gives me that vibe. And it's more of a mid-tempo tune, but I think we need that at this point in the album. I think it's good to have that, and especially for where we're about to go which is a power ballad but i'm getting ahead of myself um yeah i think that this is a another overlooked song on the album um and it, it it's a bit of a grower not a shower it's not one that's going to immediately stick out at you and shout from the rooftops that it's here but it has a great message and i like that she takes on a different perspective in this song too 
Yeah, this one uh, right off the bat from the title, I was like, all right, let's see where this goes. But this one really does, especially musically. But it speaks to that. I love that you said blues because I had blues slash country sensibility. Uh, it speaks to that character, the woman character in in these tropes that is is speaking up for herself and for some all the all the ladies. They're talking to the boys and, and letting them know how it is. Uh, and I, I, I like how that speaks to the sensibility of that country genre. Uh, and it get, you're right, man. Musically, it gives you some blues in there. I, I like this one. You talk about underrated uh, or, or looked over. I had never heard this one before, but I'm glad I did. Um, it's it's a good one. You know, uh, we I haven't I, this might be a record, but I haven't said pace 20 times before. But it speaks to the albums that I don't necessarily stay on talking about the pace because this album is just i won't use the word perfectly but it's very very well done as far as pacing and this keeps us going here we haven't yeah. we haven't we do a roller coaster which i like um i always say some of my favorite live performances are when they're going and they take you so far down that you almost forget you're listening and then they smack you in the face and bring you right back up. This album does it well. Um, and right here, we're at the uh, the high or, or we're climbing back up to the high point before we go into another um, feeling filled listen that that, <laughs> we're, that we'll be down on. So I, I like the way it's done. Uh, yes, yes. And uh this is definitely a song that you've heard. Everybody's heard this next song now. And uh, that is track number 10, You're Still the One. Um, this is actually a very personal song for Shania Twain. Uh, it's about how her and her husband at the time, Mutt Lang, overcame the odds because there was a lot of criticism of their relationship. People thought she was using him just to further her career. There was a not insignificant age difference between them, 16 years. And so there was quite a bit of attention on that. And Shania even said in her documentary, like she knew it was sexist because she's like, I know you wouldn't ask a man these questions, but you're asking me them. And she probably is correct about that, but she wrote the song because she didn't think of writing it about herself and him, but they were inspired. And she wrote this song about how He's still the one. And uh, they did get divorced in a very bizarre situation where they ended up pretty much swapping partners with another couple. Uh, he had an affair with a woman and they're apparently still together, but Shania ended up marrying that woman's husband. So um bit different, but they all seem happy. So good for them, I guess. <laughs> still odd. Yeah, not your conventional way, but this song is a little bit conventional. And I think that's why it speaks to so many right off the cut as far as I'm I'm putting it up against from this moment on. You know, we've got our two two feeling and fueled ballads here, but this one is more of a conventional one, more of a pop one. Um, and I think that's why there's another one that is, is in there for slow dance playlist of, of high school, you know, automatically. And, and I think it's because of the conventional, um, composition and, and the way this one is, is set up that 
no no fool was producing this you know what i'm saying like yeah. it was it was done on purpose and it was done very well at, from from a production standpoint oh yeah and uh people definitely responded to it so this was the third single from the album but the first specifically released the pop radio and it was the first international single and Shania actually said in her documentary that it was a bit of a risk to release this because of the fact that most of her hits had been up-tempo songs. So it was a bit of a risk to release a ballad, but it ended up paying off very smartly because it's also odd to think how this wouldn't have been a hit, and it was. So it went to number two on the Hot 100 for a total of nine weeks, and uh, it was blocked from the top spot by both uh, Too Close by Next and The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica. Hmm. Also both good songs. Um, I think part of that had to do with the physical sales aspect of that, or this would have probably been number one from what I understand. And uh, yeah, this was this is her biggest chart hit ever. And uh this is the one that really made her a pop star and household name. This uh, sounds like it was pretty inescapable and it has not gone away. And um, honestly, the highlight of seeing her live was when she did this because she moved to the B stage from the main one to play a couple of songs stripped down a bit. And this was one of them. And I felt like this is so cool that I'm closer to her now. I had pretty good seats. I was pretty up close and she's doing one of her most iconic songs this close to me that's so amazing just what an what a moment and just what a song i think this is one of the best love songs ever written i just think it's a beautiful tune and it's one of the ones that she did with harriet coachella this is that one man you talk about inescapable this is that one back then that every group of girls i knew were doing dances you know, uh, <laughs> they were they were rocking it all the time. You say the boy is mine. It's crazy because they're like the two songs that were just nonstop. I feel like, you know, talent show dances and all that stuff to, to, to both of those. But this one much more so inescapable. Inescapable is maybe a little bit of an understatement as far as the this was everywhere. This is another one that you heard. If you were listening to the radio, you heard at least two, three times a day. Yeah, but I mean, The Boy Is Mine is iconic, too. It I is. love it that is. song, but so is this. And uh, she hasn't only done it with Harry Styles. She's also performed it with Elton John and Chris Martin of Coldplay. Wow. But okay. there is one performance of it that beats them all. Oh, shit. In her uh, 2010s Vegas residency at Caesars Palace called Still the One, it was her comeback residency, Shania sang this song to a horse. Really? Yes, she came out <laughs> on a horse and then oh, wow. got off of it and pet it as she sang the song. And I'm sorry, Harry, but that wins. <laughs> you ain't got nothing on that horse, Harry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unless you're going to be the Prince Charming on the horse, then maybe we, we have a chance. But there you go. come on, she sang to a horse. How can you not love that? Shit, talk about Vegas residency moments. That 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 is oh. perfect Vegas residency moment right there. <laughs> Coming oh. on a horse. <laughs> That's it right there, yes. <laughs> That's taking advantage of where you are. Exactly. <laughs> the right way. So... 
Yeah, sorry to Elton and Chris and Harry and whoever else may or may not have sang this with her. The horse is the winner. <laughs> the horse awesome. is the winner. Buttercup did it, you guys. <laughs> she did it over a hundred times too. So wow. To the same horse? I I, I would think so. Because I mean horses, it was a two-year residency. They could keep the horse that whole time, I oh, would yeah. think. I wonder if and she purchased that horse afterwards. It probably is her. It might just be her horse, period. Which is even more baller. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Honestly. Because the horse had the moves down. <laughs> you got me dying over here. I love he did it. his whole thing. I love that. He was trotting. He was doing it all. <laughs> yes. I love it. I knew you would love that. That's uh, why I... Had to share it with the world because I love it. Uh, have you found video footage of this? Set yes, there is video. This the whole concert was recorded. I'm 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 finding that right when I get off. Oh, you have to. <laughs> it's glorious. But um, sadly, there are no horses for the next song. Honey, I'm home. Our track eleven. Uh, this is another real sassy song and. One where she's kind of subverting the gender roles. In this case, she's the working woman. And when she gets home, she needs honey to make her a meal and all that. It's like, I've had a hard day. Pour me a cold one. Like, I'm I'm done. <laughs> like, and um, yeah, another very catchy tune. It was a number one country hit in both the U.S. and Canada. So definitely... Kept her hot streak going. Another pretty beloved song of hers. Um, Out of the singles on this album, it's not one of my top favorites. I do think that the transition from pop rock to country can be a bit jarring when you first hear it. I mean, at this point, I've heard this song, I don't know how many times. At this point, I'm used to it, but I still enjoy the song. It's a fun tune. I just don't like it as much as some of the others on the album. That's really all it is for me. Yep. It, this is, it's a good tune. It's a good tune. This is another not missed chance at bringing this album back up from, from a ballad. And they do it with this bad girl country. And I really, I really like that here. Uh, the energy's right back up there. It's got that super country feel. This is, for me, musically, this is that line dancing at the bar song, uh, almost at its finest. I, I really enjoy that. You know, you didn't think there was a horse in this song, but I got one for you. I think, or you'd have to do some serious convincing to me that this wasn't the, a main inspiration for Katie Tunstall's Black Horse and a Cherry Tree. I hear it so much inside of it. And so that's my horse for this track. <laughs> Black Horse and the Cherry Tree, I really think had to come from somewhere inside of this album. So Katie, if you're out there, holler back. Let me know if I'm uh, right. But I really, I can hear that in there so much. Okay, actually, Kate, that song, Katie, when she came out, she gave me more Cheryl Crow vibes than this. I, I feel you there. I feel you there. I, maybe it's just the music backing of that, like, doom -tuk -doom -tuk it may, but I, I hear it so much I, over and over again. I had to figure out where it was year wise because I'm terrible with that. But I really think there was some inspiration in here. There, there very well may have been, but I, I always got Cheryl Crow from that song. And we're here doing 40 degrees of Harry. And I, th I think 
we might be doing a horse month too. <laughs> we, got, we got horses all over the tracks here. <laughs> Why not? Horses are great. What's wrong with a horse? N not much. Not Nothing much. wrong with a horse. <laughs> horses and dogs. That's where it's at. <laughs> but uh, they are not the subject of this next song because the next song is about what we don't like a whole lot, which in this case is guys that don't impress me much <laughs> um oh this is so basically this song is a kiss off to guys who think they're hot shit for one reason or another that was the whole point she doesn't care if you're a rocket scientist if you're brad pitt or if you have a car if you have a car that don't impress her no and it's funny the brad pitt line she revealed came from the fact that it was just a name that she'd been hearing so much. She heard about him like having an affair with Gwyneth Paltrow, and there was a nude picture of him that leaked, and she didn't get the big fuss. Like, what's the big deal? So she just kind of put it in to be cheeky, like, so you're Brad Pitt. <laughs> and more recently, she's said she might put Ryan Reynolds in there, too. <laughs> don't be hating don't be hating yeah. girl <laughs> that's another canadian king shania you gotta right. stick with your people but um i mean honestly though it's a great reference because you think it's so 90s but brad pitt is still a handsome and successful actor agreed agreed i loved bullet train by the way it was a good one it was a good one loved it so therefore it still works just saying um but I feel like all the things that that she touches on are those tropes of uh, of supermanhood that we, we we try to put out there in front of the ladies at least one time or a couple times in our life that that are are timeless. You know, they're, they're going all the way. Um, I This song was always super approachable sound wise to me, and it still was through these listens uh, as far as the way it's composed. I always really loved, there's a weird tempo break when she does that fourth wall breaking like uh, spoken word, you know, when she goes into that don't impress me much. And it always rang true musically to me, even back then, because uh, this is another inescapable one for a while. Uh, it was everywhere, man. And, and agree agreeable it, it, it's that it's that power vibe that she was rocking on this album this woman hear me roar power vibe and i loved it but it was inescapable it was it was everywhere and this was a, this was a, a back then i felt like this was a big part of her uh in the in the public eye uh yes it was so this was uh Another huge hit. This was the other song here that was actually a bigger pop hit than it was a country. It made it the seven on the Hot 100 and eight on the country charts. So there you have it. And as awesome as the song is, I mean, it's got a great hook, great attitude, all of that. This is her most famous video, too. Yeah, most definitely. So... And it's because of one thing. It's because you see her in the desert in a leopard print getup. And this is where she's thought of as a fashion icon. This is that moment for her that was what people think of a look of hers. It's this leopard print. And it still does it. Because when she 
didn't wear this exact outfit, but a leopard print getup when she came out to do that don't impress me much when I saw her. You know the crowd went wild. Like, um, they go wild like I see them go wild when Cher comes out in her black 80s outfit which she wears for If I Could Turn Back Time. I heard that. Like, they're going off to see that leopard print, and I'm sure she'll do it again because why wouldn't you? It's iconic. Yeah, you do that. Something that, I mean... Yeah. We're going back, but MTV back then, this one was on all the time. I There's no way you didn't see this video back then. Yeah, this is definitely one of the biggest and best videos of the 90s, I would say. And I'm sure that when Harry talks about his fashion influence, I'm sure five-year-old Harry's seen this video. I, that's what I call <laughs> five-year-old Harry Styles seen the video for That Don't Impress Me Much. Hey, I... If he had the TV on, he saw it. Yeah. <laughs> That's real. He should cover this song live. I mean, he's covered Juice by Lizzo. He should cover this. This would be a wild one to see him do. I think so. He should, oh, idea. He has a thing called Harry Ween as oh, yeah. Halloween, his style. This past year, he was a greaser. He should wear leopard print and sing that don't impress me much. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Is it is it a performance he does on Halloween? Yeah. That's awesome. I Where always he, love good Halloween shows. He dresses up. One year he was Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Get out of here for real. Yeah, and wow, this year he was right. uh this year he was Danny from Greece. Okay. All right. Did he do any Grease song? He did uh, Hopelessly Devoted to You in honor of the late, great Olivia Newton-John because she just died. Wow, good for him. Yeah. Icon behavior from Harry Styles and Shania Twain. That's real. That is real. <laughs> we, we love to see it. We love to see it. So yeah, that don't impress me much. A classic. And Definitely. this is one of the more known international versions. This is one of the songs where the country's completely removed it's just a straight up 90s dance tune hmm. for that i like the original arrangement a bit better i think it's a bit less dated but i still enjoy the song either way this is one of those songs that's pretty hard to break down and make it not work yeah no so, it, super approachable yeah a classic if you ask me yep. and uh we get to some heavier territory with our next song, though. Um, Black Eyes, Blue Tears. This is definitely our most explicit social commentary, I would say. This is about domestic violence. And this woman, she's um leaving a bad relation. She's leaving a bad relationship. Black Eyes, I don't need them. Blue Tears, give me freedom. And uh, definitely one of the most country songs on the album. For sure, but it still has a very good hook. I love the wah-wah guitar. Um, I mean, I think it's impressive that she makes a point with still a very catchy tune. I think that's a gift that deserves more credit, frankly. And uh, she just sums it up. It's a great message. Find yourself a seam and be forever free to dream. It's, it's a super cool message. And even in the title, the black eyes, blue tears automatically lets you know that we're going to go into this portrayal of uh, of this domestic violence. And you've hit all the all the notes that I had as far as lyrically. 
But for me, this there's a backing guitar riff that has a real foreboding tone. And it does this back and forth with the rest of the composition that for me, I felt like it embodied the fight. And then finally the composition breaks free into this beautiful end piece. Um, and it really sums up their, or, or encapsulates the freedom of, of, of getting out of that situation. I, I like that musicality uh, of this song, really well done. Yeah, and I actually think this might be the most personal song on the album because there is a character who I think she might be kind of taking the persona of, in this case, her mother, because she grew up, her father beat her mother all the time. Wow, okay. And so she saw that growing up, and I kind of interpret this as, I mean, she does believe that her parents were meant to be together in spite of the violence and the hardships. Heard. She actually now thinks of them when she does You're Still the One rather than her ex-husband. That's awesome. Which is nice, but um, I wonder if this is her interpretation of like she wishes her mother was strong enough to not take that, to leave it behind. I wonder. It feels personal, so I I think you might be onto something there. I mean, I thought about it, I was like, this has to be inspired by her mother. Has to be. Yeah, it definitely has a real personal feel to it, and if it's not, by some chance, wow, what a crazy job of getting in the shoes. Like, if you don't have a personal look at this and you're writing to to the extreme that this song writes and makes me feel, and kudos to you. But, yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. It definitely has a super personal feel to it. Yeah, so just, again, that strong woman, we're seeing, seeing the layers. Yeah, man, we really are. We are. And... uh but we're going to switch gears again with the next track, I Won't Leave You Lonely. This is a song about falling in love. Um, has a bit of a some international, you hear a bit of French and Spanish in there. Uh, this is not actually, this is not a gun to the head decision. This is my least favorite song on the album. This is the only one that just doesn't do it for me. It never has. I always skip this if it comes on shuffle. Uh I mean, it, it just falls flat. I don't know how else to say it. And it doesn't go anywhere. It stays in this same place the whole time. There's no levels. There's no dynamic to the song. It, it just doesn't do it for me. I'm so glad that we're on the same page here. And this is one of the tough things about, or that I found about being critical of this highly acclaimed album. But it's almost like somebody else produced and like put this on here because it, it does it. You're totally right. It falls flat. It goes nowhere. It, the only positive thing I can give it is it does its job of bringing the energy back down a little bit as far as pacing goes, but I really don't think you need it, especially if, if it was, negated and black eyes blue tears went into the song after this i think the flow would be at the very least unchanged if not bettered for it and it was weird to feel it on this album because everything else is just to a t and it makes sense um from from a money-making album sense production wise but even more so from a musically 
minded production and, and a great pacing. It just it doesn't make sense. It, it is definitely my least favorite on this album. Yeah. It, it, you don't have to put a gun to the head the same. No, it no, is like I said, it's not it's not a contest. This is the filler, but enough about that. I don't want to be dwelling yeah. on that for too long. I'd rather talk about something more fun, which is our second to last track, Rock This Country. This is just a straight up party fun song. She wrote it on the beach in Florida and she's got rock guitars when she says rock country fiddles when she says country i mean and this was the second to last single and it was the least successful it only made it to 30 on the country charts but it's a live favorite she always does this at her shows it's usually the opener or closer when i saw her it was actually the closer right after man i feel like a woman which i'm not gonna lie was a bit anticlimactic i still liked hearing the song but how do you follow that yeah it's tough your signature song, but it's still a really fun song, in my opinion. This is just, it's not a whole lot to it. It's not super deep, but it's a fun tune. And uh, um, yeah, it has been used for a couple of political campaigns. Both Al Gore and Hillary Clinton used it as a campaign song for their campaigns for president in 2008 and 2000, respectively. Um, So I guess... uh, if uh, you want to lose an election, pick this song, maybe. Oh, man. Oh, man. It, it's it's. I mean, it's tough to, to no, that's know an, that. I, I'm telling you, that's an idea. Because uh, if I don't want you in office, pick this song. <laughs> that, Just say that. Uh, it, it's so weird because this song is so awesome. It, it is, it's exactly what it is. It's. Just like you said, a party song. This, I was so happy to see this because in my opinion, I didn't see, even though we've been talking about you seeing uh, these songs live and how great of a stage show she does. And I knew that she did this. I was so happy to see a live rocker in my opinion on this. Like this is hands down the live rocker of the album, but it's automatically, you can hear that it's just that, 23 minute live rocker or it has the the propensity to to be um fiddles again man really everything on here but the fiddles on this are, are super sick as well this is a cool one man i'm I, i'll say it again i was so happy to see a live rocker on this album yeah that's what she wrote this for and it's been a live rocker ever since and i'm there. sure i'll hear it again and it'll kick ass again. there you go there you go but uh that's not the end of the album. Nope, she's got to bring it down. And we're going to end with another love ballad. This one being You've Got Away. This is actually the movie soundtrack song. This was remixed for use in the film Nodding Hell, which uh, was a romantic comedy starring Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant. I guess at least it didn't star Brad Pitt. That would have been something. I mean, the Shania Twain song in a Brad Pitt movie, but... <laughs> Ooh, you almost made me spit out my drink right there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this was released as a single concurrently with the film, practically. And uh, it did all right. 13 on the country charts, 49 on the Hot 100. Not a single in the UK, which seems like a missed opportunity because Nodding Hills in England. So <laughs> not quite getting that. But uh I mean, again, I think she knows how to write a love song. She knows how to do it. This is not as impactful as the other two love ballads on the album. Uh, from the, It's not even close. 
but I think it's a nice, I think it's a nice closer. I like the song just fine, but uh, it's actually grown on me a bit over time because this was um, at my previous job, the 90s country playlist was on all the time. And I heard a lot from this album and this one I heard so many times and it was one that's like, I didn't like it as much before, but it grew on me. So I kind of got that. And um, yeah, I think that works. Uh, what's um, interesting though are two things. First of all, I think she did a very similar album closer on the follow-up that I actually like a bit better. It's called When You Kiss Me. I actually yeah. think that's a better song. And also, even though this was a hit in a popular rom-com, she hasn't performed this song live since the tour for this album. Which is kind, I don't fault her for that because you've already got, you're still the one and from this moment on, we probably don't need this too, but still kind of surprising considering that was in a movie and all. That is surprising. It's great to hear that she did this on the follow-up album, this vibe as the closer, because I think it fits here in the sense of putting her seal on this. Um, she's very in the forefront of this song from the get-go. Uh, we It's just an acoustic composition. Um, I, I, I like this as an ender. I usually, I, we've been hitting some slow enders lately and they've really worked out, but it's because I feel like when, when they work for me, um, in my opinion, when they work as a soft ender, it's because the artist is so good at doing it. And that's exactly what she did here. She put that Shania awesome vocals and beautiful composition stamp right on the end of this album. I think it fit well. I, I completely agree. It's a very nice, lovely closer. And uh, an hour of... Uh... The most successful album we've covered on this show so far. Definitely the highest selling. Uh, whew, what an album, but I'm really glad that we got to do it. Yeah, me too. So um, what is your grade for this one? So this one, going into it again, I talked about the uh, the challenge of it being such an acclaimed album and, and really going at it in a, a critical way. And the first couple of times I listened to it, it didn't necessarily age as well as I thought it was going to. But as I pulled back more layers on this album and really sat down with it, that was quickly changed. Um, from start to finish with only one real glaring misstep uh, and so many songs that have spanned the ages and will continue to span in a timeless manner, um, and the addition of this really being the opening catalyst for a whole movement of this pop country fusion, I think it, it, it's, it's just one that, that stands up there in time. For, I'm going to go a straight B plus on this. Uh, I really enjoyed this album. Yeah, this one's, this is an A for me. This is one of my all-time favorites. I've loved it since I was a kid and... Uh, it truly is an album that plays like a greatest hits album. There aren't many you can say that about, but in that regard, this is that for the 90s. The 70s, you have rumors. 80s, you've got thriller. The 90s, you've got this. This is one of my all-time favorites. And again, only one song I don't like. Um, yeah, definitely an album I couldn't imagine my life without. Uh, 
really love this one. Super happy we finally got to do it here. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And uh, yeah, that does it for this, but we are not done with Harry Month yet. No, no, no. So... Wait a minute, before we forget, what's your favorite track on this? I'm curious, oh. too. Uh, it's going to be tough. <laughs> no, I, I do have an answer. It's, um, I mean, it could change tomorrow, but I'm going to go with You're Still the One. Just what a beautiful song. Heard that. I have to go with When. I really love yes. that song, man. I, I jam on that song. It is a banger. It is a banger. When? <laughs> that one's in my, like, top three, probably. Heard that. Uh, hard to choose though but um i almost forgot it because i'm so excited about what yeah. we're doing next Heard so that. friends for the first time ever turntables and tea will be covering a brand new release um this coming friday miley cyrus will be dropping her new album endless summer vacation two of the producers who worked on it were kid harpoon and tyler johnson who did harry's house and they produced the very successful and fun lead single, Flowers. And uh, yeah, first ever new release, very exciting stuff. And uh, there's already plenty of tea, it sounds like, because it sounds like we've got a breakup album on our hands. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't think the tea supply was going to be short with our girl Miley. And I'm super oh, yeah. excited. You know, week one, I got, I'm, I'm grinning ear to ear. This is This is a unique experience for us i'm so excited and especially with her and then on top of that like you said 40 degrees we're inside of this harry's house we're looking at these producers that have done so much with him and we get a chance to see what they're doing with her it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one i'm excited yes so am i and i know a lot of other people are excited for this album too so we really would love it if you could join us for that journey but to keep updated with that please follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Turntables NT Podcast on Twitter. We now have Twitter at Turntables T. Uh, I have a um, username limit, username character limit on Twitter. So I couldn't say Turntables and T Podcast, but we're on there now and uh, just there to connect with all of you and also subscribe wherever you're listening to us, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Amazon, Audible, wherever. Also, leave us a nice review. It would be greatly appreciated. And I also want to note this. Um, to continue our month here that we're doing, we have a poll on this episode. We have a few artists who are unlikely influences slash collaborators, friends of Mr. Harry Styles. And we want to hear who you want to pick. Who do you want us to discuss? And so the artists that are your options are Lizzo, David Bowie, The Beatles, and Paul Simon. So that's a, that's a heavy foursome there to pick from. But we're excited is. to hear what you guys say about that. Yeah, I think they all offer something for everyone. And uh, we're very curious to hear what you will pick. And then we'll go from there. But in the meantime, you can buy yourself flowers while you're waiting for endless summer vacation. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>